And we are back, Warp and Woof Radio, RadioNX.TV, at the Cool Groove site. You have co-hosts, Dr. Clyde Posley, Dr. Mark Eckel here this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning Good out there. In, uh, can I say it today? Yeah. R- radio and TV land. Yeah, man. You've been waiting to say that. <laughs> <laughs> and here we are down here at 2131 East 10th Street, right across the street from the Bonner Center and Burger King. So come get your lunch and wave at us through our great plate glass windows and our brother, uh, Dr. H.B. Bell. Doctor of Radio is here with us today and uh, playing all the tunes and making sure we sound good. PhD in radio. That's it, boy. PhD in radio. So uh, today we are going to be dealing with a very interesting uh, discussion and the uh, issues that uh, surround human wellness. And uh, we we are engaging all kinds of nonprofits around Indianapolis. The whole point of this. Uh, radio show is to bring communities together based on Titus chapter 3. Do good, do good, do good. And the emphasis, of course, is always to unite cultures. So, uh, Dr. Clyde, your thoughts initially when we started talking about this particular program today? Yeah, I, I immediately got excited about the um, just the topic because there's so much to be gained, understood between... Um, the progression that leads to wholeness for humans. Yes. There is there is the deliverance from sin, obviously, which is the number one thing. There is no wholeness in the world mm-hmm. at all that does not come to us <clears throat> from God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You must right. be regenerated. Right. So you can't just turn over a new leaf and get better. Exactly. But then there's so there's the deliverance part out of sin, and then there's the understanding for the need of healing. Yes. And then there's from healing to wholeness. Mm. And and these are not these are they are totally relational, but they are separate processes mm. uh, that, that we need to understand. So only God can make a man whole, a woman whole, but mm-hmm. it's a process. The issue of wholeness is, is really crucial. And, of course, as you well know, and maybe some of our guests don't, I'll just mention it, that famous uh, Hebrew word shalom literally means wholeness, wholeness. completion. Right. And the whole concept of wholeness is that uh, we are made whole through Christ. And that uh, salvation that he brings from outside of us, and that's a constant regeneration, however, uh, not only within ourselves, but mm-hmm. also within the community that we serve. Right. And so, you know, we, you and I, our churches, um, folks around town here, uh, individuals and groups and organizations mm-hmm. that we've had into this radio show, uh, we are committed to this concept of human wellness and the necessity of not just uh, seeing this wholeness take place within ourselves, but within our communities and within our churches. Right. We're, we're, because, we, because we are a fabric woven together by humanity, uh, but also interconnected because of our, fra- our frailties. That's right. We need each other. If, if a quilt, which, which, which um, is, uh, exemplifies our show, you know, our, our show mm-hmm. euphemistically uses, if a quilt has a tear in it, then the, then the whole quilt is defective. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. yeah. So we need to keep our quilt together at every place, every patch. That's right. Every warp, every woof. Every warp and every woof. Yeah. That's uh, that's what Dr. Clyde's emphasizing here is uh, the name of our show is Warp and Woof Radio. And Warp and Woof are the vertical horizontal threads that make up fabric. Colossians one seventeen by him, by Jesus, are all things held together. Mm-hmm. That's really what our focal point is always uh, on this particular show. That's right. This uh, week, we have a special uh, couple of guests coming in that we want to just highlight. They're going to be here in the second hour, uh, but their names are Danny Marquez and Nicole Wilkes. 
They're from City Life, mm-hmm. and uh, City Life uh, comes to us out of uh, Youth for Christ movement here in the city. We've actually had, a couple of years ago, we had uh, City Life wheels on and uh, had some tremendous opportunities to uh, talk with the go- folks down there about uh, what they're doing, City Life wheels on 10th Street. But they're, uh, this is just a phenomenal group. I think it's going to be a great conversation that we have with these folks this morning. Now, I'm looking forward to them. I want to hear. I want to. Don't be surprised if you don't hear me say much. I want to learn from them. Yes. I want. I want to hear from them. I yeah. was thinking about this uh, uh, yesterday evening. I was looking over our notes, and I really want to hear from them. Yeah. And I want. I want young people. And I hope our audience listens mm. to so that they can convey this to young people. Yes. You know, not just not just hear it, not just listen to the broadcast today. Right. But kind of take notes, mental notes, if nothing else, so you can convey this to some young people because right. we have some young people here doing it. That's exactly right. And they've done some really fine uh, connections in the culture uh, in which they serve. And just for the sake of saying this again, uh, for those of you who are interested, uh, this will be YouTube Live. We've already got that up. For those of you following YouTube, some of you are there already. Uh, Facebook Live, of course, these things will be archived for us. Uh, as well as our podcast on iTunes. HB is capturing these things uh, on radio. And then later on, uh, our great uh, tech advisor, Josh Collingwood, is going to be uh, helping us out in all of that, in that regard as well. So it's important uh, that we have all of these folks around us. And I think it's going to be not just a great show here this morning live, but also folks can connect with it later on. So let's talk about uh, this issue of uh, human wholeness from a Christian point of view. And our concern that we have as uh, Christian leaders, Christian pastors here in town, uh, what is it that you think, uh, from a pastoral point of view, uh, that's necessary for people to understand their need for wholeness? Uh, I I think that um, people need to understand, first and foremost, that it's a process. Mm. that while it, there is in the Salvitic experience, there is the regeneration. You are made new, yes, and 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 made positionally holy. You mm. are given a state of righteousness the mm. moment you accept Jesus Christ right. as your personal Savior, and the sanctification process has begun. Mm. But but it has done just that, mm. begun, and we need to. People need to understand relative to your question that God, the Holy Spirit, does a work. Mm-hmm. Over a series of days, months, and years, to cause you to appear on the outside in your behavior, mm-hmm. reflective in a manner that is reflective to what has gone on yes. in your in your experience. Yes, and it's a process. That's right. This is called, uh, uh, in theological terms, progressive sanctification, mm-hmm. and we're really concerned about uh, highlighting that for folks. And one of the classic passages in this regard would be First John three one to three, mm-hmm. where uh, John says this is love has been lavished on us in the past, uh, that we look forward to being like him, for we shall see him as he is in the future. But then that famous line at uh, in verse 3 where he says, uh, be holy as he is holy, and the connection there, of course, is really important, that this is the ongoing present work. Mm-hmm. So you've got past, future, and present connections here right. uh, to the wholeness issue. Absolutely. And then, along with what you're saying, uh, um, Peter comes along, collaborates that whole uh, idea, not a notion, but the whole idea 
when he explain when he tells the, the 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 church there in Asia Minor to add to their faith. Yes. To keep adding to their faith. I'm looking for the I think it's uh yeah, second, second Peter second 1. Second Peter 1. Yeah, yeah. second Peter 1. Mm. And he, and he's constantly t- so he's telling them to you know to add to their faith godliness and and and, to, and holiness and knowledge and mm-hmm. so on. And uh, and he says, if you if these things abide are in you and abide in mm-hmm. you, you shall not be barren or yeah. unfruitful. Yeah. And so that 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 tells us mm-hmm. that accepting beca- getting saved doesn't make you a Christian. Right. You've got to let the Holy Spirit grow you. Now you are in the body of Christ. Yes. Yes. Just like we are men when we're born because yes. we're males, but God has to teach us to become men. Mm. And so in the same way, so wholeness, wholeness is, is mature salvation. Mm-hmm. It is, it is beyond the, the, the regeneration and re- redemption and regeneration. It is past healing. It is moving to a level of complete ecstasy with God. Mm. Uh, I, I think a reference to it, uh, to prove, kind of prove what we're saying is also in Luke chapter five with the, um, Oh, no, it's not. It's Luke 17. With the lepers. Yes. The lepers. Mm-hmm. There were 10 lepers crying out to Christ mm-hmm. in Luke uh, 17. And um, there were 10 of them. Christ went to this uh, leper camp knowing that they need to be healed against the uh, um, uh, Deut- Deuteronomic code mm-hmm. of what, a Levitical code of what should happen. Mm-hmm. But he came to seek and save that which is lost. He goes to the leper's camp, doesn't touch them, but he speaks them healed. Yes. Tells them, according to the Levitical law, go show yourselves now to the priests. Nine of them took off running, as you know. <laughs> and and, uh, uh, and as soon as they got healed. But one came back to say thank you, mm-hmm. to give praise, to offer appreciation. He wanted a further connection than just a physical uh, experience with Christ. Yes. Yeah. Christ told him, your faith... Signal, you know, separating him from you know, his faith from others has made you whole. Mm. And I believe that I believe there's a component of a uh, that that comes to us when we desire more. Yes, yeah, there it is. And I this is a, a really good way to uh, end our first segment here. We're going to go to a one song break in a minute, but just to highlight this again for everybody, the whole point of our first hour here in any given show is that Dr. Clyde and I set the biblical parameters for our discussion points. And that's really important to both of us, that uh, we understand that where we're coming from in a Christian framework is uh, ultimately and only from a biblical authority base. Always, right. Always. Not, and and for, it's important for our audience to yes, understand. That's and right. We don't ever want to be misunderstood because in talking... We, we both of us are people of the world. What I mean, you know what I mean by that. We, yes. we read and different things like that. But we everything we're proving is based on scripture. We yes. want everyone to know, even if we were not quoting scripture. Our intent is to make sure that what we're saying is based on scripture. Yes, absolutely, and that's where we stand. And uh, without apology. And so we're going to take a one song break, and when we come back, we'll have more of this discussion about. A holistic view of human life. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. Those of you who missed hearing us on the radio, if you're listening to us live, uh, you can switch over or continue uh, watching or listening or catch up on the podcast here that we will archive either on YouTube or on Facebook. And this morning, we're discussing the issue of human wellness. And in our second hour, uh, Danny Marquez and Nicole Wilkes are coming in from City Life 
to discuss this very interesting concept of 40 assets, uh, which is fascinating. And uh, there's, I don't want to steal their thunder, so we're going to wait for them to, to talk to us about those kinds of things. Uh, but Dr. Clyde and I, uh, during our off-air comments, if you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube, you hear some of these things already. You know, uh, Dr. Posley, one of the things you said was uh, you can always tell humanities people because they find stuff in a street sign. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about what you mean by that because that's a fascinating statement. Well, you know, it, it, it can be def- humanities, the humanities discipline. Mm-hmm. can be defined as the ability to understand and interpret the narratives of the atmosphere, mm-hmm. the narratives of the world mm-hmm. in 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 um in all genres, in music, mm-hmm. in in literature, uh, in events, in phenomenon. Yes. Uh we'll find the phenomenon in in something. Mm-hmm. Uh Jacques Lacan, uh, whether a person's a proponent of him or not, was a great psychoanalyzer. And what he was able to do was recognize signifiers or master signifiers, indicators of events going on underneath the surface about the narrative of a thing. So when you become a humanities person, you start to pay attention to uh, street signs and what the, what, what the larger message is, why mm-hmm. the sign is high versus low. Uh, songs begin to mean things to you. Uh, episodes of shows the the plot speaks to a larger narrative Mm -hmm. going on in society and so as an humanities person and students who hear this uh, need to understand you don't really have to come up with anything new because the life reproduces itself Mm -hmm. if you pay attention to to life Mm -hmm. uh you will learn uh, as a humanities which is uh, english is a part of the humanities by the way Mm -hmm. Uh, you will learn to write from from paying attention to the world around you because all things, the whole world consists within itself. Basically, God is sovereign, but the whole world, um, there's nothing new under the sun. Mm-hmm. So the same cycles that we see are, are things that are uh, going on. So you can find, um, if, if you see a series of, I don't know, just just something, just, just, every, every event has a meaning. Every event. We were yeah. talking about uh, the, the old sitcom Frasier, actually, uh, off air, and talking about one particular episode and one particular line in an episode. And so when you're thinking about these things, and, and specifically now from a Christian biblical vantage point, you know, we really do have a, a distinctive view of how we think about things. Mm-hmm. And so I think I meant, might have mentioned this uh, a few episodes back, and uh, I remember your comment about, you know, you've just been given a, a basis for your dissertation by listening to this. But I'll mention it again because really it, it kind of summarizes how I think about things. I, I talk about a claim narrative, which is knowledge, limitation, authority, interpretation, and mindset. And those five ideas, those grids through which I pass all of the information that I'm getting mm-hmm. are the baseline for how I think as a Christian. So, for instance, I know that the ultimate source of all knowledge comes from God, and so that's going to dictate how I think about all knowledge that I gain right. in the world. So the creational knowledge that God's left for us in the world around us is good, but it needs to be interpreted through the lens of the Scripture. Through the lens of the Scripture, absolutely. Yeah. You know, as you were, as you were thinking, and that, that, that's, that's very good. You know, everything, the firmaments declare the the glory of God. Mm -hmm. And everything uh, tells us about God, but God explains that glory. That's right. Um, And and Jesus, Jesus, you're going to like this, Dr. Eccles. (laughs) Jesus, if if he were a professor, if he he lower himself to be a professor, Mm -hmm. would be a humanities guy. Ah. 
And he told his disciples in, the, in, in Matthew chapter 28, go into the world and teach them to observe all things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's basically saying, he, that's a humanity statement. Yeah, it is. Maybe the first humanity statement. There it is. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. You know, he, he, he's saying, I want you to go into the world and I want, as a part of the salvation experience and sanctification process, teaching the people to become whole, tell them to pay attention to the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, fe- uh, and, and he constantly made references as he taught to his dura- to mm-hmm. surroundings, mm-hmm. farmland, livestock, yeah. oceans. Yes, he, he taught faith while walking on a, on a, on the, the Tiberius mm-hmm. River, um, a sea rather. Um, and so he constantly used everything around him to explain who he was mm-hmm. and who we are. Yes, and so humanity, and so that for me. And, and I, I dare say for you, that's why the humanities is so precious to us. Mm-hmm. Because we, when we walk outside, we walk into the library of human understanding that God has provided for us. Oh, what a line. The library of human understanding. You heard it here first, like folks. That? Dr. Clyde Posley, <laughs> write that down. The library of human understanding. That is fantastic stuff. You know, while you were talking uh, about the biblical base, I'm thinking about places like Isaiah 29, where Isaiah says, mm. you know, where the farmer gets all of his information? It's from God. He says That's it right. twice in Isaiah chapter 29. Right. Those kinds of comments we find throughout Scripture that help us to understand that not only is all knowledge from God, but all the interpretation all of inter- the You know, two things I wanted to say relative to interpretation, but Job makes that same reference. God has to, in, in, in a sense, discipline Job. To, to get Job to the place, to get over the loss he had. This, mm. And so he had, to, he had to separate him from trusting in what his friends thought of him, sulking about how the pain he had gone through. Mm-hmm. And so, listen, Job, where were you when I did this? And where were you when I did that? Mm-hmm. Let me remind you, as I move you toward the wholeness, mm-hmm. I, I, it was me who gave you what you lost, yeah. and it's me who's going to restore what you need. Mm-hmm. So don't get caught up thinking that you control any of this, yeah. and your holiness doesn't produce what you want. Yes. I produce what you mm-hmm. want, including the holiness. Yeah. But you know, uh, you, um, uh, you made a, a powerful reference about the importance of not just knowledge, but understanding. Mm-hmm. Because we live in a world today where there are secular humanistic teachings that tell you to, in a sense, worship knowledge. Mm-hmm. That's right. Gain information. And That's the right. more information that you gain, right. the better off you are. Mm-hmm. Well, um, one example of how dangerous it is to acquire information without God interpreting it and giving you understanding. For example, I put, uh, there was I put up a reference on Facebook about someone saying that we need to embrace pedophilia. Oh boy! As a as a gender. I saw that. Okay, now there now here's a great example. Mm-hmm. That that's someone's knowledge, that right. secular knowledge that they have gained. If knowledge is it, we it is all we acquire. We stop right there, mm-hmm. and we go with that. Yep. No, we don't stop right there mm-hmm. and go with that because we're Christians, and the Bible says yeah. that's not right. That's right. And so we get our we don't just get knowledge, but we bounce all knowledge, as you were saying against what the Holy Spirit teaches us from Scripture. Mm-hmm. And if it does not line up with Scripture, mm-hmm. no knowledge. We don't care what the knowledge comes from, the Epicureans, the Stoics, no knowledge, no philosophy. No truth is truth until the Bible says it's true. Man, I'm going to have to get a pulpit up in here, you know, because <laughs> you're you know, just wound up, boy. Yeah, That's great stuff. You know, yeah, we, what is true? That's right. That's right. Well, it what remi- God says it is. It reminds me of the Second Timothy 3, 7 passage 
ever learning but never coming to a knowledge of the truth. Of the truth, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And this is what we're all about here on this particular radio show. We really do commit ourselves to a very thorough Christian base, obviously, and then a biblical base. So uh, our viewpoint of life and things is decidedly Christ-centered and biblically And unapologetically. Uh, unapologetically. So uh, let's talk a little bit, segue here into the 40 assets uh, issue uh, and maybe ask this question, what external and internal assets do churches provide for their young people? Now, external could mean any number of things, you know, youth groups or uh, uh, some kind of uh, holiday where, you know, you go to a camp or something like this. But what are the internal assets as well that churches provide for their young people? And why is this so important to the church and to the culture around us, for that matter? I, I, I think that answer is very, it's probably situational, you know, yeah, particular ministry. Yeah. Um, so a lot of churches within the body of Christ Church, church families in the body of Christ doing a lot of good things. Our church just had a good vacation Bible school where 26 souls came to Christ. Oh, I know great. of several other things. Eastern Stars doing some tremendous things. Mm. Um, Bishop Larry Grinstead um, at the Puritan Baptist Church. Mm. And, and just in Mount Carmel. We talked about Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel, yeah. You know, one of the biggest issues facing young people today is finding food. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's really so. So Mount Carmel's got uh, and Dr. Theron Williams have the uh, food deserts, and then there are other things. But but um, you know I want to take this a bit further. I think uh, so. The the point my point was there are several churches doing several different things. Sure, to me, to me to name. Sure, but one of the things if if could I think I'd like to talk about somewhere where I think many of us are lacking, and it is setting up. Um better pathways to wholeness relative to psychological pain Ooh. that many youth are suffering. The, the, yes. the suicide rate yes. among uh, young people, yes. particularly under 25, mm -hmm. and um, is, is, is outlandish. Mm. We, we, sh we should feel, take it as an indictment. Mm. Uh, if, if, we're not doing, if, if churches aren't doing something mm -hmm. uh, to, to address that, mm. uh, I think... Um, because the pain in society can only be healed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And we have, to, we have to address, we have to, yes, give the Bible, but we have to explain to people that God can heal the mind, right. the yes. hurting soul. Yes. And often, often, Dr. Echo, when you find young people, uh, millennials, if, you, if I could use that term, and, and the group that you, you spend a lot of time with, mm -hmm. when they turn away uh, from hearing us, mm -hmm. it's a lot of times they will tell us because they've been hurt yeah. at churches. Mm -hmm. uh, they've been hurt by church people. Yep. And so we, uh, I think, to really address wholeness, we need to start to uh, body members, of, you know, components of the body of Christ. We need to start embracing mental health healing mm -hmm. and wholeness. And mm -hmm. it's not just, it's not necessarily a chemical imba imbalance. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's an emotional pain. That's right. And so That's I think right. we could expand upon that if we if we address that. This is uh, one of those things for which uh, Warp and Wolf Radio has addressed on numerous occasions. In fact, you were right. uh, talking with Commission Unlean last week. Well, I met through you. Uh, but that that really those kinds of podcasts. So for those of you who are interested in that discussion about mental health, just go back through our iTunes store uh, where you can get all of this stuff for free. Uh, go to Warp and Wolf. Go to Cominius Institute dot org and find all of these kinds of helps uh, mm -hmm. that. 
that Dr. Posley is talking about. We're going to take another one-song break here, uh, and when we come back, we're going to continue this discussion about the importance of the church and what the church is doing uh, for this. And we want to talk about something that's near and dear to both Dr. Posley and my heart, and that is uh, social competencies. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about the impact of the social world on young people. You're mm-hmm. listening to Warp and Woof Radio at radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. We are back. Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. You are hearing us live on radio. We are live on Facebook. We are live on YouTube having great discussions on and off air. Lots of views, lots of folks uh, tuning in to these episodes. And this particular week, we're really interested in the concept of human wholeness mm-hmm. and human wellness, those things going together for us. And so uh, in this particular segment, right before uh, we take a, a two-song break toward the top of the hour uh, and our guests come in in the second hour, uh, we wanted to discuss, Dr. Clyde and I, talking about the issue of social competencies so where are social competencies developed, and why is the where so important? So where are social competencies important uh, developed? And then this issue of where we do that. Why are those things important to us? So let's kind of launch into that. You kick us off. Okay, so social competencies, when we're talking about the issue of, of this, we're talking about those things that we are uh, either benefited by by others around us, or the things that we already are doing well or have a, a, a handle on. So when we talk about a competency, we're talking about something that we do well. A social competency is something that we're engaged with with other people. The concept of social is the inter- interface that's going on between folks, which is exactly what's happening in this radio studio right now between Dr. Clyde Posley <laughs> and myself. So there's a social competency going on. The social competency, just to give you a real simple example of this that's going on right now, is our ability to transmit information to folks like yourselves who are listening to us, picking us up later on the podcast. Also, the interaction between the two of us as you're listening to us. So our social competency is not only our ability to talk, but our ability to know something. We have content. Our ability to interact now with somebody else who is interested in the same kind of content that we're interested Mm -hmm. in, and then to have a discussion about that. So this concept of of, uh, interaction, dialogue, Mm -hmm. that is a social competency by itself. Now, there are many social competencies. We're going to be hearing about a number of them here in our second hour. But why is social competency so important uh, from our perspective as Christians, what, what what would you say to that idea that why that thing is so important to us? I would say the quality of, and I'm bringing in another term, the quality of social constructs hmm. is driven by the participants' commitment to compassion. Oh, man. The quality of social (laughs) the quality of social of 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 social constructs is driven by the commitment to of compassion to the participants. Mm. With that said, here's what I mean. I mean that social we are interwoven. We Mm -hmm. we are we are designed by God to and gifted by God for other people. Yes, for the needs of other people. Yes. The enemy to the fabric of society is lack of lack of compassion. Mm. 
And so we are only going to um, have social constructs, social competency, competency at a level that we care. And that's why our guests are so important today. You know, their performance is an indicator that they care. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think what's missing today is not gift. Mm. It is not capability. It is not aptitude. Mm. It's not even spirituality. Mm. It's compassion. Oh. What what set as a human, for example, as a human on as at, at walking in human flesh, Christ was just as we are. Mm. Okay, we know he we know he was God. Mm-hmm. But what set him apart while he walked the mundane shores of Palestine mm. was his unfailing compassion for people. Yes. What I think what we are missing today, why, why we have to have a guest on, well, we need, we want to, but why we have to have guests on to highlight mm. this behavior that should be more ver- more universal, is because we live in a world where the love of many is waxing cold. Uh. Mm. People don't, people just don't care. You know, I've, I've talked to uh, uh, my church members and people that I know about our relationship and how it, how, um, it, this shouldn't be unique. Mm-hmm. Right. It, it's kind of bittersweet. Yeah. We're not trying to. We're not trying to do this. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this really should be a norm, but it's not. Mm-hmm. And it has to do with people not caring enough about what another person is doing mm-hmm. to bring what you do into to help you. Right. You know that's why when we talk. That's the reason when, when we talk. I'm, I'm all. I'm, I'm on board. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm quickly on board. Yeah. How can I not be? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. And so I, I think one part of where we fail in terms of of uh, the the necessary interdependence that, that the world needs mm. is um, that societies need, that cultures need, that cities need, is just caring enough to put your opinions aside and make people the focus. Oh man, wow, that could preach right there for a long time. Just, that was that's just such a powerful idea. And let's take this the step further. Obviously, what we our guests coming in talking about city life and their interaction with young people. Mm-hmm. So let me just say out loud to everybody listening again that your responsibility as those who are uh, older, those who are adults, those who have commitment to young people across the board, your responsibility then is to reach out to these young people and to spend time with them. And by spending time with them, you're demonstrating compassion right. and love. Absolutely. And you're demonstrating the fact that you care for what they care about because right. you're simply invested in their lives. Absolutely. You know, I, I, I think, you know, the Bible says, uh, let others speak well of you. So mm-hmm. I'm not, try, not trying to brag here, but, but I am a pastor. And when mm-hmm. my church does a good job, I should, I'm also their pastor. I want to mm-hmm. encourage them. The, my church family is 132 years old. For over 26 kids came to Christ in our mm. vacation Bible school. We baptized probably close to 20 of them Sunday mm. morning. Mm. The reason it was so important is because the staff worked together. Mm. The senior staff, all adults, to get kids saved. Mark, Dr. Eccles, this is important because if young people aren't living, then we, America can't be great. Mm. Mm. The greatness of a society is, is, is not its leader, it's not its Congress, it's not its, it's, it's, it's the ability of, it's the relationship between children and youth. Mm. I mean, ch- children and seniors. Mm. 
seniors teaching youth and helping youth and training youth mm. and 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 youth listening for wisdom yes. and guidance to learn. Yes. I've got a friend that says because if you ain't been through nothing, you don't know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know. So somebody know who, who that is. So 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 someone who's been through something has got to tell you something. Yeah. So this is this is this is an important relationship. Yeah. And so you know, uh, our seniors who are listening, you are so valuable. Mm. What you know. Mhm. Even even even, your, even the failures. Yeah. What, what you know, because this we, we got a group, couple people coming on here who are going after um, a, uh, the young people and the youth, and without youth, no one can tell the, sto- the story of your success. Mm. Were you wise? Mm. See, w- w- was America wise? Mm. Our youth will have to tell us. Mm. We, w- we will know the quality of America, not by the top, mm-hmm. by our success. What's next? Yeah, the succession that comes yes, after sir. us. That's right. We've got to go after them. I'm thinking about uh, when I saw you, when I came to your church in June, and I had an opportunity to hear your exceptional expository preaching, oh. by the way. Uh, that but, <laughs> but beyond that, um, the very, one of the very first things that I saw in this um, was your reaching out to young people and congratulating them on their accomplishments, mm-hmm. their academic educational accomplishments. Mm-hmm. This spoke volumes to me about where you're at in terms of how you think about social competencies, especially Absolutely. as it relates to young people. That's that's that, that you, I couldn't say. It. I don't want to add to that. Yeah, this is. I think if you feel a certain way, you do it. Then you do it. Yeah, yeah. and you know, just back to your comment about the two of us. Uh, it, it, this is a reciprocation issue for those of you listening to us. This is like Dr. Clyde said. This is not something we work at. I don't have to <laughs> stir up within me. Oh, I'm going to be right. with Dr. Clyde right. Posley for two hours. You know, I got to get that together. No, man, I don't, I don't think yeah. about that at all. I think. I'm going to be with my brother. And I hope I'm, it comes out. Yeah, I'm going to be with my friend. I, this is a man I love, you know, and I care about and, and uh, have tremendous deep respect for. So uh, these kinds of things can actually work between white and black uh, communities, between young people and old people, uh, between those who are going to be next generation leaders and those who are leading right now and our responsibilities toward them. And I'm thinking about, we're looking out the window at the two folks that are going to be uh, coming into our radio show here in just a second um, but you know they're young they're in their 30s and you know Dr. Clyde's already given up he's 52 I'll, I'll be 52 Saturday all right 52 on Saturday mm-hmm. I'm 61 so there you go you know we have we have the elders and the youngers coming in here and we do this very intentionally because we're very interested in in passing on legacy. Legacy is not what you leave behind, but who you leave behind. That's right. So this con- oh, concern like that. we have, this is a huge concern for the future. Say that again, man. Legacy is what? Legacy is not what you leave behind. Legacy is who you leave behind. Mm. And that'll preach right out of Psalm 71. I'll let you have it. I'm, I'm taking it. Thank <laughs> Thanks. I appreciate it. <laughs> Tell wow. me, we have so much fun. I like that. We don't even have to work at this. I keep telling everybody. So the social competencies for us uh, between uh, two men, different ethnicities, but we both share so much in common outside of PhDs, outside of our Christian belief system. Uh, we genuinely care for people, all of those kinds that's of things. I was just thinking, we, we, love, we love people. Yeah, that's it. What, what I want, people listen to me, if you know me, if you don't know me, the ones who are listening who do know me, what you cannot say is that I don't try to love people. Yeah. I'm committed to trying to do what is best. I don't have to, and I don't, and don't always have to want to do it. Mm-hmm. 
it's right. Yeah. I'm committed to trying to do what God wants that's right. Mm-hmm. You know, and and that's we that that's Christianity. Yeah. Your flesh will tell you don't do something in a minute. You can't listen to that. That's right. You, if you're committed to God, you got to do what's right. Yeah. Or be or falling forward toward it anyway. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So our uh, our concern obviously is for the next generation. Our concern for these folks coming in today is going to be about social competencies. And they're going to be talking about the 40 assets that are necessary for young people to have a uh, critical balanced life uh, that, that has to be. But what we discover and what they've told us and what we're anticipating they'll talk more about is the fact that underprivileged youth do not have the same kind of intellectual uh, competencies, social competencies, any of those because they're underprivileged in many different ways. They are they come from single family households or perhaps they're adopted or perhaps uh, they're living in a food desert and they're not getting the amount of nutrition that they need or they've been through uh, awful trauma in their lives and their psychological issues that they're dealing with. I mean, we could weave a web of things that go on in people's lives. Right. But that's why you're listening today because we're concerned about the necessity of seeing that web woven properly from a Christian vantage point. Right. That's what we're here for. And, and we don't have to become what... what what people call political socialist. Mm. That's not what this is about. The, the human need is is neither Marxist nor capitalist. Mm-hmm. It is it, it, it is crisis. Yeah, there it is. <laughs> and, right. and 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 a society that cares little for the crises of its constituents is a crumbling society. Mm-hmm. And you can identify something Dr. Clyde just mentioned a moment ago was uh, the issue of identifying a culture, identifying a a society by uh, what they believe and the kinds of things that they're uh, invested in Mm -hmm. and what they're going to be able to tell you about their future. So that's going to be a crucial uh, concern for us uh, into the next generation. Uh, uh, Who is the noted uh, scientist who said you can tell the quality of a culture by how it treats its most vulnerable people? Oh, well, I'm not sure. Albert Einstein. Einstein. Yeah, Albert Einstein, yeah. The issue that uh, we're really concerned about is uh, how we help those who cannot help themselves mm-hmm. or, let's be real clear here, about reciprocating. They cannot reciprocate what we can give to them. Mm-hmm. So we should not look for a give back in that That's sense. That's right. Martin Luther King said that uh, when, when, and I'm paraphrasing, when, 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 a, when the church... When the body of Christ does not make human need and the, and the conditions of people its priority, the church remains merely a thin veneer of Christianity and no more than a social club. Oh, boy. Isn't that the truth? And certainly not something that we're interested in doing, uh, creating or promoting any kind of social club mentality. That's certainly not us at all. Uh, we're actually waving at the folks through the plate glass window here, uh, the folks that are going to be coming in and joining us. Uh, we're going to be taking a two-song break here in just a second. Uh, and when we come back, uh, those of you just, by the way, who are watching us, Facebook, YouTube, we're going to uh, get out of our seats here in just a couple minutes and move away so that we can replace us with the folks that are going to be interviewed. But the beyond that, people. yeah, the important people, <laughs> you want to make, make sure that you see them. But beyond that, we want to make sure that uh, you understand that our commitment is to the Indianapolis community as a whole. 
to the community of our nation and to the community of our world. Uh, that's what our commitment is. Uh, we are interested in, de- in generating and showing that compassion to everybody, no matter who they are. Absolutely. No, doesn't matter race, creed, doesn't political matter. persuasion is, yeah. is, is irrelevant. We're going to find a way to connect hurting people with ministries that are doing something about what you're dealing with. That's right. So we're going to take a two-song break this time. We're going to go get some pictures taken. Go chat with our guests for a minute before we come back on. But when we do come back on, you are going to be hearing from Danny Marquez and Nicole Wilkes from City Life, and they're going to be talking about the 40 assets necessary for young people uh, to uh, sustain and see human wellness, human wholeness. You're listening to Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be back in about 8 to 10 minutes. Hang in there with us, and you'll be hearing from Danny Marquez and Nicole Wilkes. We'll be right back. And we are back, Warp and Wolf Radio, RadioNext.tv, at the Cool Groove site. And we are at the Radio Next studio on 2131 East 10th Street. You want to come down and visit us, uh, smile at us, wave at us through these great plate glass windows we have down here. We are directly across the street from the Bonner Center. This is a great place to be in the urban core, and we are just thrilled uh, to have the opportunity to serve the Indianapolis community in this way, bringing Christians together who are doing good based on those great commands in Titus 3, do good, do good, do good. Now this morning, uh, those of you you watching Facebook Live and those of you who are uh, watching YouTube Live or just those of you who are listening on the podcast, great, uh, just so that you know, we are... uh, See, you are seeing our two guests. You're not seeing me. So our studio uh, is arranged in such a way that, yeah, the, see, they, you can wave to them. You hear my voice. That's the way this goes. We want the total focus on our guests uh, coming out of our first hour. So in our second hour here, we are just pleased uh, to have Danny Marquez, Nicole Wilkes from City Life uh, here with us. Uh, Danny, uh, Nicole, why don't you guys just start us off telling us a little bit about your backgrounds, about your where you come from, your families, all kinds of good things, and uh, just kind of let people know who you are. Okay, to start? Yep. So I actually grew up west of Indianapolis in a rural farming community. Uh, my grandpa, uncle, farmers, and so it was my junior year of college that I did an internship with Mission Indy that... Uh, it does a lot of work in this area, actually. Uh, and I experienced, even though I had been raised in a Christian home and uh, my family was healthy and whole, I experienced the kingdom of God in a new way. I had experienced this idea of the kingdom of God coming to earth as it is in heaven mm. in a way that like made me, it just shattered my worldview and paradigm. And so fell, I had so many new questions and vocab and books that I was trying to read. I'm sure my parents were annoyed by it because I'm like, what? All these cool things <laughs> I wanted to engage in. Um, then I graduated from Bible college with a, a social work degree and uh, worked with Mission Indy for 15 years. So it's just been the last year and a half that I switched gears. But in that 15 years, I fell in love with the local church. Mm-hmm. And I fell in love with this idea that there's no plan B. The, the plan A is that the local church really is about being part of this community and mm. redeeming and restoring all things. And mm. so, um, and I experienced that through people like Inglewood and, and um, all kinds of really cool books. And, mm. and But Mission Indy helped shape this foundation of what the kingdom was about for mm. me. 
really has shaped the way that I am a mom, really shaped the way that I'm a wife, and the way that I participate at Chapel Rock, where I where I get to be. Um, but about a year and a half ago, I had this tension in my heart about um, while this was beautiful, what I was doing with Mission Indy, and, and this idea of training people that are in the church, what does it mean to be a part of the church? And so we, Mission Indy would use Indianapolis as a training ground um, to do what looks like a mission trip in the Indy area. Uh, that's beautiful, and it was really, really good. But the thing that uh, I was having this, uh, this tension in my soul was this idea of mentoring and coming alongside people in a way that I feel like God had equipped me to do. And so through conversations, through years of, I don't make decisions quickly, through years of um, uh, discerning, I switched gears and I started working with something called Parent Life, which is through Youth for Christ. And it comes alongside pregnant or parenting teens, ages 12 to 19, by connecting them to healthy adults within a, within a small group setting. And so seeing students where they are and wanting to jump into their stories. So, um, and, I, and I get to do it with my family. And I get to do it with my friends. And so getting to see what God's up to in the city. Not that he hadn't been here. He's been here. But to get to see what he's been about has been incredible the last year and a half. So That's great. Yeah. And I transplanted from the Bronx, New York, um, to Indianapolis. My wife, um, her entire family was uh, um, here. I'll get a little bit more into my story a little bit later when I speak to my why, why I do some of the things we do in the community. Um, but so I transplanted. We, um, you know, uh, so I have a beautiful wife, Amanda Marquez, and um, three wonderful children, uh, Aaliyah, Anthony, and Anna. And, um, you know, and City Life, we get to um, do community work. And I love the fact that we get to do it as a family, right? My family are on board. And we, we get to, you know, love on people in the community, meet new people, build relationships with, um, with people. And very specifically, uh, we focus on uh, students ages 11 to 19. And what we do is we've, we find them wherever they are, whether it be on the basketball courts, um, maybe on the corners that they're selling drugs or in the schools, in the community. Um, I'm the kind of person I'll knock on doors to find the kids. I, I want to know where they are. I want to love on them, give them new opportunities and that kind of thing. So what City Life is, is uh, it fundamentally plants itself in some of the worst neighborhoods of any given city. And so here in, the, uh, in Indianapolis, um, there's six focus areas that we have um, been looking to plant City Life Ministries, we currently have one ministry site on the near west side, of which I'm the director for that. And then we have here on the near east side, Rick Weaver. He's um, the City Life director um, for this area. We're looking to expand and move into different places so that we can help curb crime and you know build relationships with teens, help them to become indigenous leaders um, so that they can begin to give back to the community. Mm -hmm. Do I get an amen from the pastor on the whole church emphasis I'm, over here? I'm, I'm, I'm foaming at the mouth here. The world, the world uh, is the church's responsibility. No matter how we look at yep. it. That's what, king, that's what the kingdom is supposed to be about. Yep. Kingdom life is not just going to church. Thank you. But, being, but, be, but producing as a result of mm. being saint. Yep. There, there it is right there. Yep. I wanted to ask how, how um, so what are some of the key, key determining factors? Yeah, so um, you have areas that are high crime, high poverty, um, you know, um, dropout, high, you know, high dropout rates in the community. 
Um, you know, so yeah, lots of crime. Yeah. 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 For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you guys think about the uh, the issues that you face, um, that are perhaps the the most burning issues for you, what would you say are the biggest things that you confront on a regular basis? Broken relationships. Mm-hmm. Because. And that's our focus is uh, relationship driven, healthy relationships. But for many of our students, the, the divide of a family, the way that someone's taking advantage of them, uh, just the lack of relationships leaves them at a deficit. So you're talking about things like divorce, abuse, rape, all mm-hmm. kinds of issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Addictions. Yeah. Yep. Broken, broken relationships. No, we, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's right. A little bit earlier. How? that many people uh, have uh, problems getting to wholeness yeah. because of some event, mm-hmm. some yeah. relationship that's gone awry and, and they've not recovered. And they, as, as Commissioner Under said last week, they get delivered, mm-hmm. but they don't get whole. Yeah. What, what steps do you take? What, what's the, what are the first things you do when you encounter these? Um, get to know their story. Because I think it's important to pursue them in a healthy way and then allow them into my story. So expecting that there's beauty within the ashes mm. and coming alongside a young mom that, you know, has a lot of thoughts about herself or about men or about her mama or about whoever. Um, not trying to disprove that or redefine that quite yet. Just build trust. That's it. Nothing flashy. Just just hear them where they are, see them and expect goodness and then allow them. And I tell that to young moms and dads that I'm expecting you to reshape my heart. I believe that you've been created in the image of God, that you have these skills and abilities that I need. That's going to make me better. It's going to make us community, make my church better. So I need to hear you and see you. So. Sounds vaguely like salt and light to me. I don't know. Yeah. I think I heard that somewhere. Yeah. Yes. So, Danny, tell us a little bit about from your vantage point. You talked about, you know, knocking on doors and being with folks. Uh, who are the individuals that you've seen specifically that you're engaged with? Um, specific individuals, meaning assets in the community or just groups or, yeah, yeah. Partners. Um, yeah, so um, I can talk a lot about the kids that we're working with, um, you know, um, so many different stories about, uh, you know, uh, kids that I've encountered out in the basketball court or, you know, um, out in the street. Um, there's one young man that comes to mind that, uh, you know, he, we met him at a pool. Um, you know, he, we had never met him before. He learned about city life. He's like, man, I want to get down. I would love to learn how, you know, learn more about what you guys are doing. I said, hey, man, so let's, let's call your mom. Let's make sure it's okay for you to go to Taco Bell. Let's grab something to eat. And so we'll sit down with that young man and you know, started sharing, um, you know, some of my story with him. And, and um, you know, at first it was kind of awkward because I'm a stranger. He doesn't know very much about me, but the cool part was that we have other city life students there. Um, and so, you know, he started opening up once he realized that I can relate to him. A lot of the stuff that he's going through and experiencing in his own life, he was able to open up and, and not only hear the story, but want to be a part of the city life experience. How much, uh, how difficult, let, let me rephrase that, how difficult is it for you um, to get the church, maybe, and I'll, I'll say churches, mm-hmm. to understand the needs that you all see? 
how difficult or easy is it to get the churches to see the needs you see? Jump right in. <laughs> so, I have some strong opinions yeah. about that. That's so okay. my husband's a youth pastor, and we've been at Chapel Rock Christian Church for on the west uh, side. On right? the west side, yeah, close to Ben Davis High School, Davis, right? mm-hmm, sixteen plus years. Um, and so I kind of have a unique uh, perspective because I see both sides of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, while my hat that I wear with Parent Life, if I were to be honest, to to take some of my young moms and and plop them in a church, it's tricky because they're uh, that's a hard story to come around, and there's got there's a lot of trust that needs to be established, and mm-hmm. and so uh, it's tricky for young urban students to fit sometimes, not always, but sometimes, and it's tricky for churches to want I don't know all the reasons why, but to come to a place where they can be learners together mm-hmm. um, and value one another. Now, I love the church. I am not bad helping the church, um, but I definitely think we need to reshape that conversation of how do we, how can we honestly come alongside um, tricky stories, mm-hmm. hard, messy stories, and it's mm-hmm. not going to be quick and it's going to cost something, not just money, but it's going to make cost my time and my comfort. And um, so it goes back to, I mean, I could talk about this all day, but it goes back to, you know, are we selfless? Are we, are we uh, going to approach that with humility and integrity? I, so I, it's, I had a, a seminary professor once. His name was Dr. Stacy R. Shields. Mm-hmm. And he, he, he gave me a phrase. He said, the methods are many, principles are few. Mm-hmm. Principles should never change, although methods yes. are too. Yes. And I think that one of the great things about Christ was that he came and it also healed. Well, that he came in and changed the method mm-hmm. to approach his mm-hmm. approach to people. Yeah. Compassion versus right. legalism. Yeah. And and I think what you are saying is so profound. And the church, it's a hard truth that the church needs to hear. You're not bashing the church. No. But the church must understand um, this is not your grandmother's church, so right. to speak. Right. And, and how you go about it. Mm-hmm. Which leads me to a, another question. Um, this is this kind of it's an important question because for you to have success. I know you've got to have an answer for it because you're having success. When you encounter racial divide amid trying to do ministry, how do you overcome it to continue to do ministry? I'll tell you what, love is the key factor. Um, that is ministry. the answer, my man. Um, so, so you know, we're dealing with a little bit of that. Um, there's a little bit of divide um, in the near west side of Indianapolis. If you go south of the tracks off of Washington Street, you find that it's predominantly white. If you go north of, you know, white community, if you go north of the tracks on Michigan Street, it's predominantly, you know, um, black, uh, African American, um, and then. Within the in the middle of that, you have predominantly Hispanic, right? And so we have strategically planted our city life ministry in the heart of all of that, with the intention of bringing these communities together. If you take a look at some of our pictures and the kind of thing, you'll notice that it's a very diverse group. We have Hispanic, we have Black, we have um, you know white um, kids, and they're just coming because they feel and experience the love that people are willing to, you know. Um, step in um, and journey with them to, you know, let them see what love beyond racial divides 
looks like, you know. Um, and so I really wanted to speak to this idea about the church and some of the challenges, right? Because um, there are, from the outset, I say that, you know, the church has been amazing. Um, we have partners, um, uh, Eagle Church, for example, um, Bethel Family Worship Center, who have stepped in and seen the need um, to help in, uh, engage the kids at the level we're engaging them. And, but I will say that the challenge, I, I feel like one of the biggest challenges is that churches seem to be on their own mission. Yeah. Right, it's almost a tunnel vision where God they feel like where God is leading them is where they're going, and they kind of don't. I, I feel like, yeah, right, they I, I try not to use that, but yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? And so, <laughs> they, they kind of like on their own track, and sometimes it's a bit difficult for them to embrace a new vision and that kind of thing. Um, and so, you find in our community, for example, within a four block square radius, you probably find about four to six churches. Um, and my question always becomes, how is it possible for so many churches to coexist with so much crime? I firmly believe that where, uh, you know, I firmly believe that where, you know, here's what it is. Darkness will prevail where light does not exist. We have to be willing to step into these dark places. If we're called to be children of light. If we're called to, you know, um, embrace the mission that Christ um, has given us, then we are the people that are going to go into these dark areas and provide a sense of hope for transformation in those communities because it's Christ that's working in us. Um, and, and so, you know, back to the challenges. Yet, yeah, some of the churches, they exist, they're there, but they're stuck in the four walls of the church, unfortunately. And that's a sad reality. Yeah, and I totally agree with you. Um, I think knowledge is power. And so a lot of times our job is to just bring exposure to that conversation. And, and I think as a culture, we've lost this art of dialogue and just to be able to have a conversation with someone that I don't agree with. Right. But at the end of the day, we're okay. Uh, so a lot of conversations that I get to have is that we just take folks on a neighborhood tour and we just say, we're not trying to make this is a horrible place. We want to show it to you. We just want to show you the reality. What What is God up to here? And then when we can just pursue one another on that side of things, it makes the ask or the, the conversation of how can we connect kids here from a different perspective. It's like, okay, you're a part of this story. You're part of the fabric of this community. That's a good point because I feel like um, part of the reason why churches are not getting um, plugged in and just jumping into this kind of ministry is because, number one, it may be a little bit intimidating. Imagine hanging out with a teenager that thinks they have the world figured out and, you know, older folks not feeling like they're cool enough to do life mm -hmm. with a student and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, where we have seen successes where churches, they come in as learners. And they are willing to, you know, see how we do ministry, that it's a life on life. It's not just a Bible study, right? I often say that, you know, you know, people think that, a lot of people think, I don't want to overgeneralize, right? But uh, that discipleship is a Bible study. You know, you come together, you read the Bible, and you go through scriptures, talk about theology. But discipleship is not that. I repeat, it is not just a Bible study. It is a life, life journey with people. And we've seen that displayed in Jesus's life. Like he came and he dwelled with the people. He stepped into their world, built solid relationships with them. And when he did that, he was able to say, come unto me, all you who are laden, and I will give you rest. 
right? Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, I just love this idea because Jesus sets the model for us, right? He left his heavenly home, the riches, you know, that, that exist and everything, uh, all, you know, where Jesus comes from, his, his home, just amazing. He left that home. He dwelled among people. He loved people. He ate the foods that they ate. He dressed like they dressed. He talked like they talked. He lived amongst them. He used the same restrooms as they did. Hello. I mean, this is real. He stepped into their world and was willing to journey and do life with the teens. And I, I mean, with the teens, I'm always thinking about teens, with people. Um, and I, I think that that sets an excellent example of how um, ministry should unfold, whether it be to a teen or to an adult, um, for that matter. This is a great place to take a break. This discussion as well. So we'll be hearing some of that in the second segment of this second hour. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We'll be right back. And we are back. Warp and Woof Radio at RadioNext.tv at the Cool Groove site. And we are here every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we are engaged with all kinds of folks from around the Indianapolis community who are doing good based on Titus 3, our commands there, do good, do good, do good. And our focus is always to highlight those folks who are believers in our community around Indianapolis who are doing just that, doing good things around our community. And our focus always is, uh, and the reason for this, of course, is that this is the emanation, this is the, the source and sustenance of what Jesus has taught us to do, that we are to love God and love our neighbor. That's a, a huge issue. And of course, Dr. Clyde Posley, my co-host and I, are four square uh, with that uh, process. We talk about it constantly. For those of you who are watching us live on, on YouTube or Facebook, you see our guests in front of you, Nicole Wilkes and Danny Marquez, and they are the ones who are our guests here in the second hour. And we had our first uh, segment in the second hour talking about generally about what you do, where you come from, the importance and power of a local church, the impressiveness of the uh, program that you have at City Life. What we wanted to talk about this morning is you to tell us a little bit more about these assets. So if my friends on Facebook, LinkedIn, all the other places I go to have been hearing me talk about the 40 assets issue. And we talked about that actually in the first hour. So give us a little bit of understanding, background, why that's so important to you. What is it that's uh, being emphasized when you talk about that? And how does that then play out on the streets of Indianapolis? Take that any way you want to go. Okay, so I, I'll jump in here. Um, I'll never forget the first time. So I'm a part, uh, the first time I um, was introduced to the uh, 40 developmental assets, and it was through uh, the DeVos Urban Leader uh, Initiative. Mm -hmm. And um, I was just blown away. In fact, I was asked to take the test myself. And um, after it was all said and done, the number I came up with was seven. Mm -hmm. I had seven of the 40 assets uh you know and that really speaks to you know um some of the stuff that had happened in my life a little bit of my story i, I was abandoned as a child i was literally left at a doorstep my mom left the country um my dad died of aids um he was a drug user um and you know i grew up in a home that wasn't my own you know my family they loved me and they did everything that they could do to point me in you know towards success but um, I, 
although I felt loved, I mean, rather, although I was loved, I never really felt that love, right? Um, and so, you know, I always felt kind of rejected in my life. And so growing up in the in the inner city environment, Bronx, New York, 175 Willis Avenue, I always see all kinds of criminal and drug activity and, and that kind of thing. And so for me, it was pretty easy for me to go from the house, run away from that environment into a place where I could feel some degree of acceptance, right? Um, and so I ended up on the streets making a, a lot of poor decisions and um, ended up, long story short, because of those um, poor decisions, ended up facing 45 years of my life in prison. And um, sitting in my cell, a thought came to my mind that revolutionized my heart. Uh, you know, it was the thought of a person that I robbed. You know, and it really speaks to the 40th development assets, right? Because because I didn't have any of that, I had no purpose, no sense of direction, right? And so this man, this church person that I didn't know he was a church person, he spoke into my life. Um, I um, unfortunately, you know, I, I was on a robbery spree. I put the gun to his face. I demanded his money, um, and you know, he, he resisted, and unfortunately, a pistol whipped him, and blood is gushing everywhere, and the guy, he, he steps back, uh, and he looks me square in the eye, you know what he says? May God bless you, and I'll never forget his words, they began rotating relentlessly in my mind, may God bless you, may God bless you, and it was at that moment that I realized that something had to change, and what had to change was my way of thinking, and my way of behaving, and I needed to surround myself around people, I had to change my circles, I had to surround myself around people that were about something, that were going somewhere and so forth. So um, made it through the prison system. I did 10 years and eight months, finally came home and, um, you know, started getting around people that were, you know, really focused um, on doing well in life. And, um, you know, my wife came into the picture at that point and she was, you know, uh, just an amazing support for me coming having come home um from new york transplanted to, to indianapolis and i knew that something i you know that, that god had called me um to do ministry in the world because a lot of the stuff that i experienced growing up a lot of the kids are experiencing so when you think about the 40 assets and you know the uh the internal assets the external assets the reality for me is that I could not experience, start experiencing a lot of the internal assets until I was able to experience some of the external assets, right? People coming alongside of me, believing in me, pouring into me, giving me that support that I needed to, you know, think differently about life um, and so forth. So I think about the church. When I gave my heart to Jesus, the church came alongside of me, you know, they gave me a Bible. They, they encouraged me to read it. Um, and, and because of those relationships that I developed with people that love Jesus, it helped me to start to do some introspection and see areas in my life that needed some help. And so, um, you know, you think about the 40 developmental assets and I could speak to you from a personal perspective that it really um, has impacted my life to see um, how important the external factors are for the internal to start to really um, blossom and develop in one's life. As for the kids that we're working with, we're we're starting to see a lot of kids that are, are just soaking in the relationships that we're um, providing for them through adult leaders that we're um, you know encouraging to be a part of the ministry. Um, we have different programs in place and the kids are just starting to soak it up. They're finding value in themselves. Kids that are um, 
leaders by nature. Like they're, they're starting to see opportunities for them to lead. So they're just all in. And um, so we're seeing a lot of the important developmental assets that work in that sense. Yeah. I want to speak to like the macro lens of this. So I, like I said earlier, I went to school for social work and I was trained to look for needs, needs-based assessments. But this flips it. This is strength-based. So in, in relationships and conversations that I get to have, it's like, man, um, in the urban context, that particular student or that family is a mess, right? So I don't even know. I can't even engage in it. It's too messy. It's too hard. And I feel like these 40 assets categorize how to approach uh, relationships. Because that's what it is, right? It's nothing like flashy. It's just being with people. It's relationships. Um, and so for me, I have a little different story than well, a lot of different story than Danny. I took that test and I had 38 assets and that's not to be boastful or like, right. It, it's just, I came from a different place. So I, I, I see I'm the fruit of healthy relationships in a healthy church. And so I, I see the need, uh, to, to call out strengths and people mm -hmm. and in a place because all of these things are within a place if we see it or not. Um, or if it's not, then we can direct people towards those um, niches or relational niches. Yeah. It's right. so interesting that you bring that up because um, just recently we had a community tour with a church on the mm -hmm. west side. And um, part of that tour was we gave them the 40 developmental assets and we asked them to go ahead and score themselves. And it was interesting because we went around the room and everybody in the room scored 30 and above. And they were like, yeah, this is pretty accurate. You know, I can relate to this. Yeah, I had this growing up and that kind of thing. And um, it was so interesting because, you know, one, once they shared their score, I shared with them that I had an encounter with a student at 1.30 in the morning just before, um, you know, the, the night before we had the tour. And I asked that student if uh, I can... Uh, Asked 40 questions. And so I knew that they were on Facebook. Yeah. They had the green dot on there. I said, you know what? I'm just going to reach out to the student and um, began to ask the student, um, you know, uh, the questions and so forth. And she scored a 10. And when I shared that with the, the group, they were just so blown away by the difference. And I feel like it compelled them to see the need to give more, meaning mm -hmm. to give more people resources to see what they can do to step into the world of teens so that they can make a difference. Because here's the reality. They are the next generation of leaders. And if we're not investing and pouring into them, then we're going to have you know, a society where, you know, just a warped society. We have to be willing to step into their world and pour. You know, sometimes that means finances. Sometimes that means relationally. Sometimes that means, you know, just, uh, you know, having a meal together. Um, and and I, I really believe that when those things um, are about Christian things is that we have a tendency to dichotomize or divide or separate these things out. And we say that somehow this is an external, internal, instead of understanding that these things work together. And so we go back to that old Gnostic heresy of uh, separating secular from sacred, which is not to be done. We are to see life and people and things uh, as God has made them, how God has created them, and the wholeness and the wellness that we're after. So to hear that you're invested in this with, in a word that I like to use, in withness, not witness, but withness, yeah. you are with people. This is a huge issue. One of the great prepositions of all times, with, 
Yeah. And that's important that you that you're demonstrating that on the streets. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And one of the things I hope this fits, but when I was about a year and a half ago, when I was thinking about switching gears and being with Parent Life, I actually was hanging out with Danny, and I was nervous because, like we just said, you had seven. Is that what you said? Assets. I had 38. We come from different places. We have different stories. And to be, I allowed the enemy to twist my thinking of like, well, you can't be here because you're not going to do any good. Like, you need to go somewhere else. And I remember saying to Danny, like, I, I don't know if, like, I don't fit. And he's like, Nicole, you, you just have to be honest. And so you just have to be real and just be transparent and share your heart. And, and I think people can, Danny has a ministry that also jumped in with students. Uh, it's like I said before, it's not flashy. You don't have to have all these steps. Like you just have to be real. Mm-hmm. You just have to be transparent. And that is an asset. That's a strength. And that can shape a lot of those external assets. Mm-hmm. Because people find find trust in you. Right. Because They're approachable. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, people don't have any fear when they see you or uh, when they meet yeah. you. You know, obviously, if you're going to take them out the Taco Bell, you know. I'm there. I'll I'll go with you. Yeah. <laughs> I'll take the 40 assets. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. this is a huge issue for us, and I think sometimes uh, for people who have grown up in the church that have stable homes and so on, these are privileges that people have had all of their lives. Yeah. You know, we talk about privilege, unfortunately, just in one way these days, yeah. but that's not true. There are multiplicity of privileges that mm-hmm. people have. And so we need to unpack those privileges or at least be honest about them yeah. and say, this is what I've got. Yeah. yeah. And let me help. If I and can not feel bad that my story yeah. is not the same as Danny's, yeah. it's still powerful. Mm-hmm. And I, a lot of the, you know, a lot of the church kids that I get to hang out with or kids at Chapel Rock, that might be similar, right? Like mm-hmm. my family's healthy. My family's okay. I don't have this, this crazy story. Right. It's okay. Yeah. But when these things are in place and, and people get to be in relationship in a, in a healthy way, that's beautiful. And that's so, what the church is designed to be. Yeah. So that's I, what we want for our kids. So when you talk about your kids, and I know you're talking about teens on the street that you're working with and so on, when you're talking about your kids and you they look at you and they think, you know, I see Danny, I see Nicole, they seem to have it all together. They've got these great families and all these kind of things. Are they attracted by the assets that you bring to the table, and I'm not talking about the seven and 38, I'm just talking about, do they see these things in you? Is that what's attracting to them? You know, that's a very interesting question because before we even had the language, the information about 40 developmental assets, mm-hmm. we, we, we learned the importance of just spending quality time with teens, right? Um, bringing them over to a home. Mm-hmm. And having a meal with them, and and enjoying, um, you know, a good conversation at the dinner table, and that kind of thing, and and that kind of activity, right, really speaks to what the external component, right, of, of the forty developmental assets. And so, um, so yeah, um, rephrase. Uh, can you say the question again? I, I want to make sure that I'm. No, that's okay. That. So you know, my interest is is in asking the question: Do the students are they attracted to you <coughs> yeah. because they see? this life in front of them that they want to emulate. Definitely. I think they are attracted to it if we are approachable. And and if it's not, That's we have this knowledge of information that we're going to lord over you and you need to listen mm-hmm. to us, but rather I have some wisdom, but I do believe you have wisdom. So when I start yeah. a new group or, or often the new school year, I say to them, you are not coming into this relationship as the needy, broken one, and I'm going to fix all your problems. That is so arrogant. Yeah. But rather, we're going to come into this relationship, mentorship opportunity. 
I'm expecting you to learn and I'm expecting uh, to learn from you and you to learn to from receive. me to receive. Yeah. We, it has to be both ways. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I can, you know, but, but I have to be willing to share the like not so beautiful sides of me. So, and this is just a really simple yeah. example of that. Um, I had happened to have a bad mom day and, uh, and had gotten into a little bit of a tiff with my daughter. And, uh, so I drop her off for school. She's crying and we had been frustrated. Okay. And I feel really bad about that when I left. So then I do some work at home and then I go back to the school and I get her in her lunch time and I apologize to her because I felt terrible that like it was something silly, probably like get your shoes on or something silly. So that night we had a parent life group. I know this is simple, but I told them about that. I told those moms, look, I had a bad mom moment. Like I let something really petty and silly get in the way and I blew up at my daughter and I made her sad and she went into school. And know, again, I know it's simple, but I went back to the school and I said, I'm sorry. And they were, what? Why would you do that? Well, because I was wrong. And I moms are mentors too. Moms are mentors, right. So it's just modeling. But then there are other times where one of my young moms uh, have had invited another two other families into her home. And I'm, I remember having this conversation. You already have a lot going on. Like, why would you invite two other families to be in your home? That's going to be chaotic and it's going to be messy and your kids are going to be able to do their homework. I'm thinking about all the things that I would think about. Right. And she looked at me and was like, wait, if someone, one of your friends or family is in need, you wouldn't help them. Oh, oh gosh, I hope I would. I hope I would. But I had to call out right in that moment. You taught me. You changed my perspective about generosity. And now we can go into a whole other, like, you know, how, how we help one another and we enable people. I didn't want to go there. It was just like, you taught me. So seeing those teachable moments, I think that makes these things, those assets, the external assets, attractive when I see value and I'm a giver and a receiver. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. So there's a reciprocity going on there when you actually acknowledge that somebody else might be able to teach you something. Yes. Right. And that's yes. the reason why Dr. Clyde's doing this between yes. us, because that happens every week right? yeah. between us. Right. Uh, this is a powerful event that we're uh, concerned about here with young people. Uh, when you think about um, how you serve uh, young people in your work in Indianapolis, are there other things that uh, that you're invested in? Tell us about maybe uh, other parts of your program, other things that you want to explain to folks. Maybe explaining like the five circles would be helpful. And then yeah. we can talk about community partners. Yeah. So um, part of what we do as a ministry is we uh, uh, we focus not only on the spiritual and moral because we understand that the kids are more than the spiritual component right, of a person. They yeah they they can believe in Jesus. Um, but is it possible for them to read a Bible without glasses? Mm. Right? If they have reading. Or even or, or, read if they don't know how, how, to, how read. to read. right? And so we, we look at the whole person. So we deal with economic literacy. We deal with civic literacy, basic health and safety. Mm -hmm. uh, we deal with uh, you know the spiritual and moral component. Financial. Um, the, the, yeah, the financial literacy um, within that relational context, right? Mm -hmm. And we do that very intentionally so we can really just – Look at the area of needs that kids have, and then I, once we identify those needs, connecting them to resources in the community. You spoke earlier about this idea of not reinventing the wheel. Mm -hmm. There are people that are out there in our communities that are doing it and doing it well, and we want to make sure that we're partnering with them so that we can leverage um, opportunities for kids to thrive, not only survive, 
right? Um, because a lot of them are on survival mode. Mm -hmm. We want them to achieve. And the only way that they're going to achieve is if we do it together, mm -hmm. you know? So uh, anything yeah. you want to add to that? Yeah, I like the saying, we want an individual to be whole so that the community can be whole because we're whole in Christ. Mm -hmm. And so when we think about those five circles, we better be in a great relationship and pursuing schools because they're with kids day in and day out. And those are some hard places to teach. So we need to come alongside and encourage the administration or the teachers and say, we see you too. We want to help you do what you're, what you're doing and do it well um, in hopes that then they too would want to know what we're about. Right. Mm -hmm. Then from like the health side of things, sorry, we, we will take people on kind of a neighborhood tour and just show them the the reality of this place. And so it hits all those five circles because we talked about it earlier, I think, uh, this idea of God is restoring all things. Mm -hmm. and that means schools. Yeah. That means mental health. So we need to know about that, followers mm -hmm. of Jesus. That means health clinics. That means WIC offices. That means food deserts. So we should be about that. Our God is super creative. And as followers of Jesus, we have got to get past just, I go to church, but we've got to become the church that's alive and active now. So, It's like uh, you've hit on everything that you just mentioned there. We've had a, a radio show about. So, yeah, so we're, you know, we're, we're tracking right there with you. We believe everything you believe about the, the importance of this. We have just a couple of minutes left, and I wanted to ask each of you to give us a 30-second, if you had one thing to leave with people today, kind of comment, what would it be? Uh, what would be the thing that you would want to make sure that everybody listening today would walk away with? Either one of you can go yeah. first. So, for me, I just want to reiterate that – Relationships are so important, and the key element to seeing kids thrive is love. When we embrace the model of Jesus, who left his heavenly home, came and dwelt amongst us, he loved on the people, he embraced the people, the outcasts, the people that were rejected. When we embrace that kind of model, we're going to see real transformation happen in our communities. And so um, if I was to leave you with anything, I would say, hey, in fact, I'll give you an opportunity. We'll give you an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Youth for Christ is looking for people, adult leaders. Value the kids in the hood. So much value that we would invite them to the table to influence our own hearts. Mm -hmm. And so if you are an adult that, and I'm still struggling with that question as well. Do I really believe? And, and I do believe that God is at work in, in our city and I want to have the vision to see where he's at work. And then I want to be able to call out those strengths and the ways God's shaping teenagers, even though it looks like, man, they're a mess. But there's some amazing things that are happening and students that are doing some really, really cool stuff. And so if you're an adult that wants to ask hard questions and see our, our you know, indigenous leaders thrive, I would, we would love to hang out with you. Yeah. We've been listening to Nicole Wilkes and Danny Marquez from City Life, uh, Youth for Christ organization here in Indianapolis. And we're just thrilled to have had you guys on the show today. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Dr. Clyde Posley, my brother. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm just in there overwhelmed at what I'm hearing. You know, if I, if I could take 10 seconds. 10 seconds. You got it. The most, with all of the great things you're doing and the concepts you've, concept you've introduced, 
the most important thing I have experienced from you today is the passion that I feel for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And where there is passion, there is always opportunity for compassion. Yeah. I appreciate I, what I feel. Yeah. It's going to do well because I, not just because I said it, but I feel mm -hmm. that you are loving what you're doing. Yeah. We love I'm going to be a part of this. Yeah. yeah. my word. Yeah. Yeah. Andy about to be a part of this. Praise the Lord. We are grateful to hear from these, uh, these great uh, servants of Christ here in Indianapolis today. Dr. Clyde hit it on the head as always. Uh, the issue of passion is huge. You've been listening to Warp and Woof Radio, radionext.tv at the Cool Groove site. We come to you every Wednesday from 10 until noon. And we're going to be back again next week, actually talking with a mathematician from IUPUI who's going to come and share with us about the design of God's universe and the importance and impact that he has on the college campus at IUPUI and other places where he teaches. We are grateful to have had this time with you today, Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and the podcast. We'll be pushing this out later. Thanks again to our brother, Harold H.B. Bell, for all of the good work that he does. H.B. And we are going to be back again next week. Warp and Woof Radio. We'll see you then.